Hello, and welcome to The Signal, Workplace NL's health and safety podcast. Workplace NL is the Workers' Compensation Board in Newfoundland and Labrador, Canada. The focus is to promote safe and healthy workplaces, provide return-to-work programs, and offer compensation to injured workers and their dependents. This series of podcasts will provide you with the latest information on how workplaces can protect the health and safety of workers. Please enjoy the show. A person's job and workplace should not harm their mental health. Ultimately, employers are responsible to do no harm to a worker's mental health while they are working. Their responsibility is to promote workers' well-being by identifying and controlling psychological health hazards in the workplace. Generally speaking, workers are responsible for their own mental health, whether they're in or outside the workplace. What workers should be doing is working towards understanding what they need to maintain good mental health for themselves and their co-workers and ask the employer for help if those needs are not being addressed. Many employers and workers throughout the province recognize the shared responsibility and they work together to create and foster a workplace that is psychologically safe. Understanding the issues of mental health and having open and honest conversations about the job task that can impact workers' mental health begins with a supportive culture. I'm Deanne Feltham-Scott, Occupational Health and Safety Educational Consultant in Prevention Services at Workplace NL. Today I'm joined by Kathy Barrett-Brinson, Senior Health and Safety Advisor in Prevention Services, and Craig Smith, Firefighter with the St. John's Regional Fire Department. Today, we'll be discussing how to promote workers' well-being and how we can all work together to control psychological risks and prevent harm. So Craig, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and where your interest in mental health and the workplace came from? Sure. Um, So I've been with the St. John's Regional Fire Department for 26 years. My other role as far as the union and the association is I'm in my third term as president of that union, so in my seventh year. An interest in the mental health portion of my um, of my role and of our department and for uh, the members was recognized by me personally 10, 12 years ago um, when I had looked at you know what our SISM what our SISM team looked like at that point in time, how it was structured, um, how it was decided on who would be involved in that. When I recognized some of the things that inherently I didn't realize of what I was recognizing was correct at the time. However, fast forwarding, I realized that some of the things we had in place were jeopardizing um, what the whole focus was, and that was to try to promote uh, good mental health and try to help our members uh, get through um, some challenging times, whether that be because of uh, because of their job or because of their life experiences or a combination of both. So what are some of the main things that your organization or the union is doing now to promote good mental health amongst uh, the people that work there? When you say, what are we doing now? So what I would like to do is, is back up because, as I just said, you know, some of the things I recognized uh, many years ago, realized they were, they were becoming a uh, force to get over and we weren't being very successful. Approximately eight years ago, I was asked to, to help, you know, help the association uh, sort of revamp what our, at the time, was just referred to as SISM, 
and then we refer to it as behavioral health, and then we refer to it as peer, peer support. So what, I want, what we wanted to see was, what is it that we need? What is it we're, what is it we're trying to do? What is it our members need? Uh, when I just joined this conversation, and you know, what I'm going to be referencing is, is basically on my time in the, as a firefighter and my experiences as a firefighter and my experiences as a union president and in my experiences as a, a mental health advocate and instructor and so on. So in the fire service in general because it's such a right. very broad conversation and what I may say may not be uh, relative or someone may not be able to uh, relate to it. However, if you're a firefighter listening to this, or even if you're another emergency responder, you may be able to relate to some of the conversations that we had, so, or that we're going to have. First of all, we, we said, you know, we have to determine a need. Is there, is there a need for this? You know, we have it in place. Is there a need? You know, the need started from what are we dealing with? What's, what's coming to the table? What are our members suffering with? And, and at that point in time, we really didn't know. Uh, we didn't know because there was a lot of silence. Yeah. You know, silence was, was the death of, of a lot of us. And, yeah. and, uh, I still communicate with some retirees who have been retired for 20 years and talk about their lived experiences in the 60s and the 70s and in the 80s and try to get a better understanding of what the culture brought and what, you know, how those timelines and what, how, you know, the things we, they were dealing with, they're no different than what we deal with today. Being a firefighter in the 80s or the 70s or the 90s, uh, when I joined, we're still dealing with trauma, we're still dealing with death, we're still dealing with accidents and, you know, you know, all the medical side and the EMS side and the fire side. So the calls we go on may be more frequent or maybe more... I guess, severe, severe in, in certain instances because of uh, dynamics of, of society right now. However, how we try to handle those things are very similar. And um, some of the things that we, you know, what is the need? So we said, well, we, we, need, we need to help each other. We need to help ourselves. Um, not that we thought that somebody else couldn't, but I guess as firefighters, we're programmed to help other people. We're programmed to put our, our own health, safety, uh, the risk associated with that, at bay mm -hmm. and then go ahead and, and put our own lives at risk to help somebody else. So that was what our, that's how we were, that's how our, our train of thought was. And we had this, you know, we got to start helping ourselves. We spend so much, our career is about helping others, which is what we signed up to do. And we all get great satisfaction from that. But we started realizing that we are not doing enough for ourselves. And that's when discussions started happening around, around need and where does it look, where does it go from there? So our need was, well, we have to understand what is mental health, what is behavioral health, you know, what is, what is peer support? What is PTS? What is PTSD? What is PTSI? You know, and all these acronyms that come, that come with it. Um, we realized that, you know, we were lacking in education. So in order to determine a need, as, as some of the union leaders and those who were at the tables trying to format a plan, we sort of had somewhat of an understanding at that point in time. We understood more, I guess, than, than most of our membership. We have to let our members know that they, need, that they have a need. We understand there's a need. We need to let them know and educate them so they say, hey, we, we do have a need for this because it's, it's about buying, especially when it comes to peer support. Um, the first thing we did was, was to start saying, okay, well, we need to educate people. We need to educate people on, on what is mental health, what is stigma, what are signs and symptoms, and you know, start putting out experiences that people could be living with day to day and not realizing that they're actually being impacted because of their mental health is, is why X, Y, and Z is happening. So um, we put a plan in place to um, educate some instructors, and myself and two others were one of those, or, or three of us were uh, attended. It was a, through Canadian Mental Health Association at the time. We brought that back to our department, and, and they, were, they were in full support of it. You know, whatever we asked for, they, there was no denial. So, okay, well, if you feel that's important, if you feel it's beneficial, we'll, we'll help you with it and assist with it. So we, we provide that education, provide them some tools, helping them recognize that what they're feeling is important to be recognized. 
And then, okay, well, if this is so important to me and I feel this way, do I do anything about it? Because up to that point, probably most of us weren't. Mm -hmm. Or if we were, we were doing it um, unaware. Um, people that have healthy lifestyles, they, you know, walk every morning, do yoga, exercise daily, eat healthy. Well, these are all things that you you do unknowingly, but they have a significant impact on your overall well-being. Right. So the education was a, was a key factor, and we spent three or four years doing that before we moved into um, specifically like peer support and peer support training. I think while the, as you pointed out, the fire services are very different from a lot of different uh, types of workplace or employers. I think those steps would benefit any employer to start with looking at what the need is to support employees with their mental health and then the education piece and sharing the education. So I really appreciate that and I think that's you know valuable to any organization or employer. Any suggestions or ideas on how workplace can change culture or impact stigma. You mentioned stigma, and we know mm -hmm. that you know stigma is actually still very real mm -hmm. and something that people uh, you know really have to still deal with. So, is there anything you think organizationally you have done successfully, or you think that employers can do to impact that you know that culture and to combat stigma? No matter what it is you're trying to help somebody with, you have to understand your audience. And um, you mentioned culture, and, and in the fire service. Um, we emphasize fire department culture on a daily basis to our employers, to our own membership, uh, to clinicians and psychologists and counselors because it's very important that if you're going to try to help somebody, you need to know what areas of help do they need and what is the culture within that organization. So in, in our particular situation is fire service, but you know we're, we're, the fire department is a is, a, is an arm of the city of St. John's. And the city of St. John's has, you know, another 1,000 or 1,100 employees in all different lines of work and careers and trades. Um, and they're all going to have different experiences. So it's very important. It was very important for us to identify that those we're trying to help understand, understood and knew that we understood the culture. We understood their needs. And we had to emphasize that we, we, we have an idea of what you want and what we need and then we looked for them for feedback. Outside of like the fire service, I think it's important for every, every employer, no matter how large or small, is that you have to understand who your audience is. Identifying the culture, identifying who those individuals are that you're trying to help, and then um, ask. Ask the question. Yeah. Um, you know, what is it do you feel you need? And whatever, whatever format um, that you try to accomplish that, whether it's through a general survey through your, employee, your employees, if it's through an anonymous survey through the employees, it can be a little bit more you know, upfront and, and not worry about any kind of negative feedback or stigma yeah, <laughs> as exactly. attached to it. You know, so I think it's important to listen and it's important for um, the people under your command to feel that they care. Because if they feel that they care, now people's guards start to soften up and they say, well, people want to help me. Yeah. You know, so I think I think it's important to have that soft approach from the start to gain the trust, depending on what that environment looks like in your workplace, to gain the trust, um, ask the questions of what they feel is needed, and then from there create a create a sort of a, a path and a, and a footprint and a and an action plan um, to address those specific needs. Yeah, absolutely. I think the the understanding definitely, as yeah. you said, is is so valuable and important. Um, can we talk a little bit about the shared responsibility of workers and employers to supporting mental health? Uh, we wouldn't want you know, anyone to think that it's 
one or the other's sole responsibility. But as you know, you and I have talked about before, uh, it does really have to be a shared responsibility mm-hmm. for it to be successful. 100%. The ones you're trying to help um, have to understand that just as much or more than the people who are responsible for it. When I say the ones you're trying to help versus the people responsible, we're talking about employers and employees. An employer, obviously there's the benefits. Um, we could be here all morning explaining the benefits of, of creating a good, healthy uh, work-life balance and a, and a good, healthy True. environment. But it's important for the employees or the members, in, in our case, to have an understanding that it's not just the employer's responsibility. Um, and, I, and I hear that sometimes. Well, and, and not so much in our local, because um, we've sort of we've sort of gotten away from that, and we work collaboratively, and, 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 it's, and it's seen. But I hear from other departments in Atlantic Canada across the country. Well, well, that's 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 the department. That's the management's problem. That's management's problem. That's the city's problem. That's no. It's not their problem. It's our problem because it's our people, it's our organizations, our members who are impacted, and they're the ones that need the help. Yes, the employers may recognize it, and sometimes they have to be educated on, on the benefits of that, but the sheer responsibility is that the, if, no matter what the employer decides to put in place, if the employee is not engaged in that and doesn't feel that there is some accountability on their side, well, then you know it has to be, it has to be a path. Like, there has to be two sets of tracks there, not just one. And in our case, we had to recognize that it's your responsibility to tell us if you need something. We can't, I can't help you if I don't know what you need help with. Right. And I can't criticize somebody if they're not aware of it. So um, there's somewhat of a philosophy I use in, you know, in, in labor management and dealing with members and departments and outside organizations that you always give somebody an opportunity to succeed before you criticize their failure. Because if I didn't give you an opportunity to succeed in whatever it is I'm bringing to the table, well, then how can I criticize you for something that you, you're, not, you're not doing yet? And in our case for uh, mental health and peer support, we simultaneously you know, educated our department and say, hey, this is what we need. This is what the fire service needs. This is what our membership needs. And at the same time, educating our members in what mental health is and what it looks like and all the things that influence it um, in, in a good way and a bad way. And then the things how we can overcome those and, and talk about uh, some of the, the roadblocks, like big stigma, you know, that's a roadblock. Um, that's going to that's going to set us back. So we had to we had to really address those issues because we want to start creating an open environment. So um, our members realize that you know we need to invest in ourselves, not just our employer investing in us. Mm-hmm. So when when everybody has that mentality, that, that understanding that it's not just a one way street. There is shared responsibility um, because no matter what, I can put all the tools in place. But if you're if you're unwilling to pick up those tools and put them to work, there there goes your there goes your share of responsibility because mm-hmm. it's the responsibility of the individual to pick the tools up and go ahead and use them. But I can't, you know, the old cliche saying, you bring a horse to water, can't force him to drink. Right. So I think that's where the shared responsibility comes from is that an employer can put uh, best practices in place and, and best policies in place, but unless the individuals are willing to adhere to those policies or have input on the policies or have input on what they feel can be amended or changed within the policy because they see it as a benefit to them, well, then really you're, you're, you're not going to be as successful as you could be should all parties be together and recognize that it is a 100% shared responsibility for everybody. And we invested um, not just our time and our efforts into educating our members, but we've also, our association, we've also invested financially into yeah. us. We didn't wait for somebody to say, here's a pocket full of money, go do some training. We were like, no, no, we're, like, we're going we're gonna to take the lead on this. Whether we have to dip into our own treasury to say, we need X amount of dollars for this, and this is the benefits from it. Um, so we were more than willing to invest in ourselves, not just on a timeline, but also in a financial perspective, 
um, until we found other resources that we could we could tap into, like Workplace NL or the City of St. John's or the department. Excellent. I'm glad you brought up finances, actually, because I, I just want to end on a question yeah. about that. I, th- I think, first of all, there is definitely a strong business case to be made for supporting workers' mental health. So I just want to say that right away mm-hmm. before I uh, ask this question. But because un- until, I guess, you know that you may f- an organization or an employer may feel like they don't have the money to uh, invest in a lot of education, a lot of training, a lot of things that we've talked about today. But I just want to know if if an employer maybe feels like they have not a lot of financial um, ability to invest in supporting employers or employees. Um, what is something maybe that they could practically start with mm-hmm. that would impact workers' mental health and you know impact stigma, impact culture uh, without spending those dollars until they <laughs> believe in the best. Uh, yes. They believe in uh, you know the fact that it actually is. Um, financially beneficial as well for an yeah. employer to invest in in their me- workers mental health um i guess i got a couple of things i could say on that everything and everybody and and you know, there's only so much you can stretch that one dollar bill but um there are available resources you just have to find out who you need to talk to and ask the questions um to see where they're at to create some kind of plan going forward um so that's on the financial side of tapping into money and tapping into funding we, we did fundraising on our, on our own um, to help um, our membership and to help support education. And it's also even, we took it a step further, as helping in very specific targeted uh, treatments currently and in the past. There was no funding and there was no money and there was no, we were, I'm very fortunate and we're very fortunate as an association that we were able to financially support ourselves mm-hmm. and we were able to invest in that because it is an investment. Um, but if you were in a position, and, and I, I guess I speak because on the political action side and when we speak with our politicians, that when Craig Smith, president of St. John's Firefighters and VP for the Atlantic, speaks with uh, an MHA or an MP, by default I'm also speaking for almost 6,000 volunteer firefighters in Newfoundland and Labrador mm-hmm. because anything that we put in place for legislation, we don't ask for it to say career, career, career. Right. It's firefighters. At the six, those 6,000 firefighters across the province, I know they don't have resources to buy an extra pair of gloves this year, let alone invest in something that is not, I guess, immediate needed, immediately needed today because it's not tangible. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, they need a new fire truck, they need bunker gear, they need boots, keep your feet dry, they need gloves so they don't get burnt. So they understand they need that, but they don't have the extra funding. There is a lot of resources that people can tap into uh, through SIPCERT is an organization um, that's a national organization that's specifically around first responder mental health. There's a lot of awareness uh, that, that they can provide you. There's uh, free information they can provide it. I guess with all that being said, you need an advocate. You need a trusted advocate within your organization to say, you know what, I'm going to take the lead on this. I'm going to take the charge on this. I'm going to do what I can. And then have that individual tap into organizations like SIPCERT or tap into the Canadian Mental Health Association right. or call Workplace in LNS. What resources do you have down there? I mean. This is, this is 2023, the information. I mean, we can have, open up the laptop, and I'm not saying everything on the, on the computer is, is, is worth walking away from, but um, when it comes to mental health, I found my personal experience is that I had to listen to many podcasts and listen to so many conferences and so many sessions and, and so many webinars and attend so many courses and do instructor training, do participant training, and I learned that not all of it did I always take 100% away from because some of it was repetitive. But I didn't realize it was repetitive until I repeatedly took, went out of my way and did that on my own. And most of it was, was of no cost to me. Most yeah. of it was free. Um, so I think, you know, if, 
if somebody's out there wondering, well, where do I get this information? How do I help? How do I help myself help others in smaller organizations in particular that can't afford um, to, to pay for funding or pay for uh, core training or courses? Is that you reach out to um, government agencies, or reach out to national agencies, reach out to um, local people, um, or you know, call somebody that call somebody that you may see a referral from. So I, I, last year I did a podcast with uh, municipalities NL. And there was, there was a lot of volunteer fire departments or fire chiefs or firefighters on that system or on that line on the call. And it went down for about an hour. And I got several emails afterwards to say, Craig, I didn't realize this was available. And just in the 60 minutes that we that this conversation happened, I took away so much. Well, that's, that's where I was 10 years ago. I was, I was taking so much away, so much away. Now, I'm, if I can take 10% away of an hour-long podcast or webinar, I'm satisfied because that's 10% I didn't have yesterday. So I, I, know, I guess it's, you have to build on it, too. It doesn't happen overnight, and you build on it. But um, tap into local resources, national resources. And, and I think that uh, um, organizations like Canadian Mental Health Association, even though it's not specifically targeted for first responders, there's a lot of good information there. SIPCERT um, and Workplace and I know you guys, there's, mm-hmm. I mean, there's tons of information yeah. that you can, you can pull from your organization. And then, uh, and then from there, maybe if someone was to contact you, you say, well, maybe that phone, my phone would ring, or I'd just get an email and say, Craig, I had someone reach out to me. Do you mind if I pass along your contact information? Do you want to have a quick conversation? As I think that those of us that are in this in this mental health um, arena, we're never going to shut someone down because you're not part of your organization. Like right. we're, we're trying to promote a bigger thing, something that's much bigger than ourselves, and something that we realize has such a significant impact on each and every one of us, no matter what occupation you are or what your you know local town is or residence is or, or, or where, you, where you reside. Absolutely. Uh, glad you mentioned that. There's so much uh, free information and valuable information available that people can access and, you know, and really begin that journey. The other thing I loved is you said, uh, you know, find an advocate. And I do believe if we look at the st- statistics, one in three Canadians will, you know, have, um, you know, have their mental health affected in some way in any given year. So in every workplace, there's an advocate. There's somebody yeah. who's either, you know, had a mental health uh, crisis or they love someone or know someone that has and they uh, care about it and they're willing probably to you know do the work and uh, bring that important message to the workplace so yeah that makes it more relatable so when they when they when you understand someone has past experiences lived experiences and that person becomes a trusted individual in in this mental health uh, awareness advocacy peer support um, that helps break the ice when because the whole purpose of, in, in our case, uh, case, as far as peer support goes, that I want you to be open with me. I want you to share your experiences with me because I may be able to learn something from you and you can learn from me. Or maybe I can provide a relatable experience and how I manage to get through that. I don't necessarily share the intimate details that caused me to cause trauma for myself or the takeaways that I had from that. But what I, what I do is I relate to it. Because um, I can never understand what you're feeling because I'm going to feel it differently, but I can relate. It's, it's understandable. Um, I can relate how it affected me or help, or I can relate to how it emotionally triggered um, some responses for myself. And then as a result of that, conversations happen. Now they want to be more involved because they see the benefits that's coming from it. And we got a great peer support team in place right now. They're extremely active. Um, they're engaged. We do... Um, we do station visits and outreach, and we refer to it as outreach station visits visits to let people know we exist, we're here, you're not going to forget about us. And that repetitive um, visits and conversations, um, it helps these conversa- helps the hard conversation become easier because now it's not foreign. 
people get used to hearing the sound of their own voice. They get used to saying, you know what? I felt like you don't even know what I feel like after that that last you know last two months where mm. I had back to back to back to back trauma calls. My my role as a as a district rep from Montreal East of St. John's and Behavioral Health for the International Association of Firefighters is to help everybody else establish these um, plans that we put in place, mm-hmm. and then I take it from other people. They take it from me, and we implement it and assert it. Um, but it is it's a buy-in, it's a membership, it's getting trust. Is ensuring that people want to be part of something, something bigger than themselves. And once people see that, then um, then I think the you know the, the the people will come behind it and, and they'll support it. And that's what we've been experiencing in, in our department. That's so great. Uh, thank you so much for all of that, Craig, um, for you know having this conversation with mm-hmm. us, and uh, we really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Awesome. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. Transcripts are available to use in your workplace to increase workers' knowledge in various occupational health and safety topics. Visit workplacenl.ca for more information on the services we provide to workplaces. Feel free to share the signal on social media to improve workplace health and safety everywhere. Thank you and have a safe and healthy day.